Welcome to the podcast for Salem Baptist Church, where the senior pastor is Reverend Dr. Selwyn Q. Bacchus. Salem is located at 3131 Lake Street in Omaha, Nebraska, 68111. This podcast has been created as a mobile companion to your engagement with Salem. Whether you use it to listen to a service you are unable to attend or to revisit a sermon, we pray that this podcast will serve as a source of motivation and connection to a word-centered and spirit-led church that cares about your journey. Be sure to turn on your alerts as we deliver a variety of content to you. Don't miss out on church services, interactive Bible studies, and special interviews all here on Salem's podcast. Share the podcast with a friend or family member. Listen as you have your morning coffee, daily exercise, or travel to work. No matter when you are listening, we pray this episode blesses you. Thank you.
Good morning and welcome to the sanctuary of the Salem Church as we lead you in worship as you are gathering with us in the, the virtual sanctuary of the Salem Church. We are grateful for your presence, grateful for your prayers, grateful that you have joined us in worship on this wonderful Sunday morning as we lead you in worship from the Salem Baptist Church in the wonderful city of Omaha, Nebraska. We know that the same blessings that the Lord has bestowed upon us here, the Lord is bestowing upon you on this day, and we are grateful. Uh, it is marvelous in the Lord's eyes, and it is a work that he has done on our behalf. Again, we're grateful for your presence. We're grateful. We understand that sanctuary is where the saint is, and so even though you may not be in the pews of the Salem Church, we feel your spirit. We feel your presence and we feel your prayers. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Again, Lord, we are grateful and thankful for all that you've done, for your many and varied blessings, for being so good and for being so kind. And most importantly, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us all. And we thank you for the power and purpose of his resurrection. It is through that we have promise of life, life abundantly, and life eternally. And so even now, as we gather to worship, we pray, God, in the name of Jesus, that uh, as we invoke and invite your presence, that we would feel the movement of your spirit in this place, and as in those homes and places that have gathered with us on today. And we ask these prayers now in the name of our resurrected and living Savior, Jesus the Christ, and the people of God said together, amen and amen. We want to be led further in worship at this time by our music and fine arts ministry.
Certainly we are grateful for the, love, the Lord's loving kindness, his grace and mercy toward us. We've come to the moment in our worship experience where <clears throat> we go to the Lord in prayer, lifting those who have solicited our prayers. We certainly continue to ask you to remember those who are giving leadership to our city, our county, our state, and our nation certainly to those who are assisting and on the front lines and who are seeking to abate this pandemic in the times in which we live. We pray for their strength, for their guidance, and for their wisdom. And certainly as well, we specifically pray for those who are part of our church family here at the Salem Baptist Church. We want to lift Sister Sadie Alley, Sister Mary Armour, Sister Joyce Hadley, Sister Marcia Seals, Sister Marilyn Devers, Sister Bonnie Harper, Sister Nita Johnson, Sister Charnel Jones, Sister Henrietta Page, Sister Annette Sayers, Sister Felicia 
Thompson, Sister Gwen Watson, as well, Brother Clifford Fairley, Brother Willis Fairley, the brothers of Deacon Fairley, Brother Eric Manning, Brother James Moore, Brother Ronnie Tobes. We want to specifically lift those who are bereaved and in moments of grief in the loss of their loved ones. I want to lift Sister Betty Liddell and Sister Danella Lampkin in the loss of their daughter and Sister Debbie Pyle. As well, Mother Jackie Blackburn in the loss of her brother, Alan Baxter Hunter. I want to lift Mother Freddie Waters in the loss of her mother, Teresa Gill. Sister Acura Cooper in the loss of her aunt, Eleanor Lucky. As well, Sister Lisa Taylor Jones in the loss of her father, Marshall Taylor, Marshall Taylor, Brother Paul Tolliver in the loss of his mother, Lee Ella Tolliver, and Sister Tony Bryson in the loss of her nephew, Eric Meese. We know that the Lord hears and answers prayer, and we are grateful for those who have requested prayer in that they are aware of the fact that God is able to move and to act on their prayers and to honor their faith in prayers. And so at this time, wherever you might be, we're asking you to go with us in prayer. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Lord, we love you and we thank you. We are so grateful, so thankful that you have displayed your love and your care and your kindness toward us in so many ways that it is innumerable and immeasurable. Lord, if we look through our lives, we know that it is your hand of mercy that has been placed upon us each and every day of our lives. We thank you as the word of God declares that we are greeted with brand new mercies each and every day. And for that, God, we are grateful. We come before you as our ancestors would say, as an empty vessel before a full fountain. So, God, we pray that you would fill us and refill us on today. For, Lord, we cannot make it without you. We are dependent upon you for every day of our lives. So, God, we ask your strength. We ask your direction. We ask your wisdom. We ask your guidance. We ask, God, for your sustaining power. Because through you, God, we can do all things but fail. So God, now in the name of Jesus, we lift those who, those whose names we have called. Lord, we do not know the detail, details of their situation, but we know you are well aware. And so God, we pray that you would do as you've always done, and that is that you would work on their behalf you would move and meet them at the point of their need. For those who are sick and shut in, give them the 
presence of your spirit to let them know they're not alone. For those who are ill and ailing in their body, we pray, God, that you would heal in the name of Jesus. For those who are grieving, God, we pray that you would give them the consolation of your Holy Spirit as only you can. And for each and every person who even now shares with us in this worship experience, Lord, the needs, needs are different, both great and small. God, we know that you're able to meet them, that you are able to let them know that you are very present help even in a time of trouble, that you will always be with them. So we pray, God, that your spirit would minister to their hearts, their spirits, their souls, and their minds. We ask these prayers now, believing that it will and shall be done, because we ask it in the name of Jesus. And the people of God said together, Amen and Amen. We yet believe in the power of prayer. We yet believe that God does hear and answer prayer. And we thank you to the Salem Church and those who share in these virtual worship experiences on Sunday mornings as we stream here at 10 a.m. from the sanctuary of the Salem Church and the sanctuary of the Salem Church here in Omaha, Nebraska. For others who join us on Thursday evenings, that's 6.30 p.m. as we spend a moment of inspiration as well on Tuesday evenings in our virtual Bible study through Zoom. We are grateful that you continue to engage with us. We pray, ask for your continued prayers for the Lord's guidance and wisdom as we navigate uh, these moments in unprecedented times that we face, not only as a church, but as a community, as a country, and even as the world. We continue to solicit your prayers. The Lord will give us wisdom and direction and give us a sense of confirmation as we prepare to reopen the doors of the Salem Church for on-site worship. We can be, continue to do so with uh, a great amount of caution to make sure that each of you who will rejoin us will be safe and secure as we return to worship. We thank you for your continued prayers and continued support. We continue to remind you that you can support us, support the ongoing ministry of the Salem Church through your giving, through your tithe and your offering. You can mail your tithe and offering here to the Salem Church at 3131 Lake Street, Omaha, Nebraska, 68111. On Friday, Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., you can bring your tithe and offering here to the office. There is a secure tithe and offering box that uh, you can drop your tithe and offering. You can give through our website at SalemBC.org, through PayPal, uh, through Venmo, through the uh, Givelify app, as well through the Cash app. And so we're thanking you in advance for your continued support, your continued prayers, and the continuing of your stewardship in supporting of the ongoing ministry of the Salem Baptist Church. We're going to move forward in worship at this time and ask our music and fine arts ministry to lead us further in worship.
flowing from my heart are the issues of my heart flowing from my heart are the issues of my heart Him today and say, flowing from my heart, from my heart. Ah, the issues of my heart. Issues of my heart. One more time, flowing from my grace and his mercy, his loving kindness, his gratefulness. Oh, thank you, Lord. His gratefulness. Put your hands together wherever you are and give him some worship and some praise. We're going to ask you to turn in your Bibles or on your tablets whatever device it might be to the Old Testament it bears the book bears the name rather of the prophet and leader Daniel Daniel chapter 1 Daniel chapter 1 beginning at verse 1 and we'll use much of this chapter throughout this sermonic presentation Daniel chapter 1, beginning verse 1. And it reads, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, the king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, to his hand, into his hand with some of the articles of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God. And he brought the articles into the treasure house of his God. Then the king instructed Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants, some of the nobles, the young men in whom there was no blemish but good-looking, look, good gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge and quick to understand, 
who had ability to serve in the king's palace, and whom they might teach the language and literature of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies and of the wine which he drank, and three years of training for them, so that at the end of that time they might serve before the king. Now from among those of the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. To them the chief of the eunuchs gave names. He gave Daniel the name Belteshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. The Lord's word is blessed. I want to talk today for a few minutes by the help of God and the Holy Spirit from this simple subject, faith under pressure. Faith under pressure. In 626 B.C., Nebuchadnezzar became king of Babylon and altered the course of ancient history. He quickly overthrew the domination of long-standing rival Assyria. And this course of events had significant implications for Judah, the southern kingdom of Israel, and the remnant of the nation of Israel. Daniel, who authored this book that bears his name, lived in the midst of these momentous events. The book of Daniel is a testimony to how the Lord sovereignly works, his, works out his purposes through his servants, even in uncertain times and under adverse conditions. And the first of these acts by the Lord include four young men who display their faith in a monumental way under enormous pressure and tension. You see these young men display their faith under pressure. The first thing that we see as these, men, these young men display their faith under pressure is this. They were displaced, but they were not discouraged. They were displaced, but they were not discouraged. On last week, I preached from the book that bears the name of the prophet Habakkuk. And in that book, Habakkuk inquires and, inqu and questions the Lord about why it seemed the unjust and the unrighteous were prospering. And during the Lord's response, he assures Habakkuk that the Babylonian kingdom would be used as a tool to execute judgment by the Lord on his people, Judah, and the home, Judah being the home of the holy city of Jerusalem. The prophecy of the Lord has now, in Daniel chapter 1, began to come to pass. And we read of it here in Daniel chapter 1. History tells us it was the late spring or summer of 605 B.C. when Nebuchadnezzar, the son of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, is fresh off his victory over the Egyptians at the Battle of Carchemish. And he 
makes his way to Jerusalem, the capital city of Judah, and besieges it. As he does so, he and his army raid the temple, carry away some of the articles of the house of God. Very likely they were gold and silver cups and utensils used in temple ceremonies and temple worship. He carries away these articles and artifacts, yet this is not the most valuable treasure that King Nebuchadnezzar captures. Listen again to the word of the Lord beginning at verse 3 of Daniel chapter 1. It says, Then the king instructed Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles, young men in whom there was no blemish but good-looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge and quick to understand, who had the ability to serve in the king's palace, and whom they might teach the language of and literature of the Chaldeans. Now you got to notice, Nebuchadnezzar instructs one of his leaders to plunder the most valuable asset that Judah has. He says, I want to take away some of their young men. Nebuchadnezzar knew that if he were to continue to weaken Jerusalem and Judah so that he might in the future return to fully decimate and destroy it, the initial action required was to take away its future by robbing that city and society of its young men. It sounds like the same story we face today in America. Specifically our young African-American men. But I want you to notice how Nebuchadnezzar decides who would be carried away. He says the king's descendants, those of nobility, those without any physical blemishes or flaws, good-looking, gifted with wisdom, possessing knowledge, quick to understand, intelligent, and the ability to be taught. In other words, King Nebuchadnezzar says, I want you to steal away the cream of the crop. Take away the royals, the best of the best, the elite. The Bible says he's, his design was to carry them away from Jerusalem to Babylon. These talented young men would be separated from their families, separated from their homelands, and separated from their primary place of worship in the temple in Jerusalem. They would be displaced from all that would have been familiar to them. But I contend by the actions of these young men here in Daniel chapter 1 and throughout the book of Daniel, they may have been displaced, but they were not discouraged and they were not dismayed. As we see them throughout the book of Daniel, their actions and their faith give evidence that although they were displaced from all that was familiar to them, they were not discouraged. And I believe that is what allowed them to not only survive, but thrive under which, uh, th under which the difficult circumstances and conditions they were living. 
And I believe that although they were displaced from Jerusalem, they were not discouraged for a few reasons. First of which was this. They were not discouraged because they knew the Lord was with them. I believe these young men knew that although they had been taken away from the city of Jerusalem where the temple was, uh, the, the temple being the symbol of the presence of where the Lord resided, uh, they believed that the Lord's presence was not limited or restricted to the temple itself. Seeing these young men knew that despite their dislocation from Jerusalem, they realized that the Lord was right there with them, even in Babylonian captivity. Oh, and child of God, I want you to know, even if you're not located in the place geographically or mentally or spiritually that you want to be right now, I want to remind you the Lord is with you. His word reminds us over and over again that he'll never leave us and he'll never forsake us. And even in the midst of this pandemic and, uh, that we continue to face, understand things that may not be the way you desire them to be. You may feel isolated and separated and alone, but I want to remind you that the Lord is with you even when friends and family and loved ones seem to abandon you. I want to remind you the Lord is with you. So you don't have to be discouraged. See, these young men in Daniel chapter 1 knew that they didn't have to be discouraged because the Lord was with them. But they were dislocated but not discouraged, secondly, because they knew the Lord was for them. Not only was the Lord with them, but the Lord was for them. Really what I'm trying to say is that the Lord was on their side. The Lord desired that even under extremely unusual conditions that they would succeed. And as you look at Daniel chapter 1 and the succeeding chapters, you see the success they experienced even when others were hating because of all they accomplished. Now what I want to stress is that all these young men, that they, all that they achieved occurred far from their homeland separated from their families under less than ideal circumstances and yet the Lord positioned them to thrive and flourish. There was an old saying that went, the man makes the land, not the land makes the man. In other words, it meant you do not allow your location to dictate your effort and your success. And when the Lord is for you, it doesn't matter where you're located. The Lord can give you, as Joshua chapter 1 says, good success. And these young men in Daniel chapter 1 knew that the Lord was for, with them and the Lord was for them. And I want to challenge you, child of God, no matter what your current location might be, I want you to know that the Lord is for you and you can still achieve and have success and accomplish your goals no matter what your current location. And so they were not discouraged because they knew the Lord was with them they were not discouraged because they knew the Lord was for them, but as well they knew they were not discouraged because the new, they knew the Lord was in control. 
You see, when you know the Lord is in control, you're able to keep discouragement at a distance. You see, we must be reminded that these young men knew that the Lord was in control. And Daniel, in his writing and recording of the events of this book that bears his name, indicates that in verses 1 and 2. Listen again. It says, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And listen to the first verse or first phrase of verse 2. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand. Daniel, who experienced this exile personally, concedes that it was the Lord who allowed Judah to fall into the hands of Babylon and Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel was conveying that he understood the sovereignty of the Lord. Listen, uh, the sovereignty of the Lord is this, that the Lord can do whatever he wishes, whenever he wishes to do it, and through whomever he wishes to do it through. Daniel realized that the Lord used a powerful, pagan, punishing nation to judge his own people. Now, that may seem harsh as you listen on today, but the point I want us to rem remember is this. If the Lord is in control enough to manipulate and use Judah's enemy, he was in control enough to protect and prosper them even while they were in exile. You see, the Lord can work through you and for you under circumstances that seem unworkable. And that's because he's in control. That's how he blesses you when everyone at the job is trying to impede your path to success and he still blesses you, that's because he's in control. That's how he heals your heart when everyone in your family is continuing it, continuing to try to break it. That's because he's in control. That's how he allows you to keep your sanity even when your life is crazy. It's because the Lord is in control. And that's why every now and then we need to just scoot over and tell Jesus to take the wheel because he is in control. And these three, four boys, were not discouraged because they knew ultimately that God was in control. And child of God, I want to say to you, don't be discouraged. Even though you may be displaced, you may not be where you want to be, you need to understand that ultimately God is in control. So yes, they were displaced, but not discouraged. And they showed their faith under pressure because the text suggests they were renamed, but they were not reformed. They were renamed, but they were not reformed. Now, very clearly, to reform is simply this, to change. To reform is to change. And with all these young men were facing, they did not change. Listen to the text of these young men's lives seemed to be turned upside down as they were renamed from their Hebrew names to Babylonian or Chaldean names beginning at verse 3. 
It says, Then the king instructed Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles, young men in whom there was no blemish but good-looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge and quick to understand who had the ability to serve in the king's palace and whom they uh, might teach the language and literature of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies and of the wine which he drank and three years of training for them so that at the end of that time they may, uh, might serve the king before the king. Now from among them, though from among those sons of the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. To them the chief of the eunuchs gave names. He gave Daniel the name Belteshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. Now, you got to notice the absolute contradiction in the names that are given to these four Hebrew boys. And take into account the significance of each name given in order to seek to reform or change their allegiance from the God of Israel to the so-called gods of Babylon. Now, the, list, the, the name uh, Daniel means Elohim is my judge. Elohim is one of the Hebrew names for God. And the name Belteshazzar means may Baal protect his life. Baal is one of the gods of Babylon. Hananiah means Yahweh is gracious. Yahweh is the personal name of God of the Bible. Shadrach means Aku is exalted. Uh, Mishael means who is what Elohim is, while Meshach means who is what Aku is. Azariah means Yahweh is my helper, and Abednego means the servant of Nebo, another Babylonian god. Notice, the original name of these Hebrew boys includes some reference to the true and living God of Israel. And the Babylonian name given to them involves an allusion to a pagan so-called god of Babylon. Now this is, family of God, intentional. The Babylonians believed by changing their names to include Babylonian deity, it would cause these boys to change their allegiance to the Babylonian so-called god. It was an attempt to make them forget the true and living God and change the God they worship, to change their faithfulness, to change their commitment to the Lord, and to change their loyalty to the true and living God of Israel. And yet, these boys, throughout the book of Daniel, say in so many words, you can change my ID card, but you can't change my identity. They even go as far later in the book of Daniel to show us we are willing to lose our lives because of our faith. 
It's almost as if they were living by the principle that the Apostle Paul put forth in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, before he was born and even recorded these words. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. These young men would not be changed. And even though their names were changed to be identified with Babylonian deity, they knew their loyalty was with the Lord. Family of God, with all that we face, with the temptation of giving in to the pull of the world. We need to be like these boys in Daniel chapter 1. and We need to remain faithful to the Lord. Listen, the text suggests that they have faith under pressure. They were displaced but not discouraged. They were renamed but not reformed. They didn't change. And then the text suggests that they were challenged but they did not compromise. They were challenged, but they did not compromise. Imagine the transition that these four young men faced, stolen from their homeland, separated from their place of worship, stolen from their families, and then labeled by names that did not honor the God that they served. And now they face a challenge regarding their day-to-day -day dietary regime. It was once again a challenge to their faith and to their heritage. Look again at verses 8 through 10. It says, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now, God had brought Daniel into the favor and goodwill of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord, the king, who has appointed your food and drink, for why should he see your faces looking worse than the young men of your age? He says, then you would endanger my head before the king. It was the custom that those who would be trained to serve the king would partake of the rich and plentiful diet assigned to them at the king's command. And yet Daniel and these other three young men will not compromise. There were two problems with the royal food that the king had offered. First, some of the food must have been unclean according to the Mosaic law that these young men had been taught and practiced. Daniel and his three friends were not willing to compromise by disobeying the Lord's command by eating unclean foods. Second, uh, the meat served at the king's table would have been offered to idols before it was eaten. 
In his book, Ancient Mesopotamia, Portrait of a Dead uh, Civilization, A. Leo Oppenheim tells us about the care and feeding of the gods of Babylon. And we learn in this book that sumptuous food would be offered to the gods, and after the meal, whatever was left would be brought to the king's table as royal food. These young men of faith were not compromised by eating food that had been offered to idol gods. They, at their refusal to eat from the king's table, the eunuch is uh, in charge, is afraid that the outcome would endanger his life. Daniel responds in faith and confidence that the sovereign God that he trusted would take care of him and his three friends. Listen to the text in First Daniel, Daniel chapter 1, verses 1 through 16. It says this. So Daniel said to the steward whom the chief of the eunuchs had set over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test your servants for 10 days and let them give us vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance be examined before you and the appearance of the young men who eat the portion of the king's delicacies. And as you see fit, so deal with your servants. So he consented with them in this matter and tested them 10 days. And at the end of 10 days, their features appeared better and fatter in flesh than all the young men who ate the portion of the king's delicacies delicacies. Thus the steward took away their portion of delicacies and the wine that they were to drink and gave them vegetables. Daniel and his three friends said, listen, uh, we are challenged because of the diet that you are trying to put upon us, but we will not compromise. And we yet believe that if we do not eat of this defiled meat and wine that has been offered to idol gods, that God will keep us and strengthen us only as he can. He, they, they declared, I will not compromise even in the midst of this challenge. Listen, these four young men refused to compromise. And family of God and child of God, I want you to see what happens. Uh, listen, because they refused to compromise, the Lord honored their faith. He honored their commitment to him because the Lord saw that nothing would override their faith in him. And the Lord responded on their behalf. And listen, they looked better than those who were eating from the king's table, even, only they, even though they were only drinking water and eating vegetables. Family of God, I want to tell you today, don't compromise your faith. Trust that the Lord will take care of you no matter what's being offered to you from the world. Oh, yes, they were challenged, but they did not compromise. They decided, I'll stand on the side of the God that I serve. And the Lord honored their, their willingness to stand on their faith. And look further what happens as God honors their faith in verses 17 through 21. It says, and for these young men, four young men, 
God gave them knowledge and skill in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. Now at the end of the days when the king had said that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. Then the king interviewed them, and among them all, uh, among them all, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore, they served before the king. And in all matters of wisdom and understanding about which uh, the king examined them, he found them ten times better than all the uh, magicians and astrologers who were in all his realm. Thus Daniel continued unto the first year of King Cyrus. Let me summarize it this way. Because they did not compromise, the Lord says, I will elevate you. I will promote you. Because you did not compromise in the sight of the pressure that was placed upon you. And child of God, I want to let you know today that it's all in the Lord's hands. And uh, you don't need to compromise. You may be challenged on your job, challenged uh, in your home, challenged in your uh, community. But I, I'm telling you, don't compromise because the Lord will honor your faith. He will honor your willingness to stand in spite of the pressure. And these four young boys had faith under pressure. Now, family of God, what I want to remind you and what I want to help you understand uh, is that at the beginning of Daniel chapter 1, uh, they were called by their Hebrew names. In the middle of Daniel chapter 1, they were called by their Babylonian names. But when we come to the end of Daniel chapter 1, they are once again called by their Hebrew names, uh, which tells me that when you stand for God, uh, yes, Lord, uh, uh, yes, if you stand uh, on your faith and uh, you stand on your convictions and uh, you stand uh, on your relationship with the Lord, uh, yes, God will uh, take care of you. You see, whatever uh, the world may call you, uh, yes, you need uh, to stand on what the Lord calls you. Uh, do I have a witness today? Uh, at the beginning uh, of Daniel chapter 1, uh, they were called Daniel, uh, Hananiah, Mishael, uh, and Azariah. In the middle of Daniel chapter 1, uh, they were called Belteshazzar, uh, Shadrach, uh, Meshach, uh, and Abednego. Uh, yes, Lord, uh, but when God got through, uh, do I have a witness? Uh, they were called uh, by their rightful name. Do I have a witness? Uh, and you need uh, to know this Sunday morning. Uh, no matter what the world says about you. Uh, and uh, no matter 
what the world calls you. God is in control. And he will turn the situation around for your good. I'm done, y'all. It's time to leave y'all alone. But I love the way the songwriter says. It says, be not dismayed. Whatever be tired, God will take good care of you. Beneath his wings of love abide, God will, I said God will, God will take good care of you. He did it for these boys in Daniel chapter 1. And I need to know Take good care of you. Somebody ought to shout. Won't he do it? I said, Won't he do it? Won't he do it? I said, Won't he do it? If you believe it today, wherever you are, go ahead and shout, Won't he do it? Is there anybody here? who can declare that God will take good care of you. Won't he do it? Won't he do it? Won't he do it? I know you're not in the sanctuary, but if you know he'll do it, say yes. Say yes. Yeah, yes he will. Yeah, yes he will. Oh, yes, he will. Oh, yes, he will. I'm trying to leave it alone. Anybody here know that God will take good care of you. Go ahead and lift your hands. Go ahead and open your mouth. Go ahead and shout, yes, he will. 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 Oh, yes, he will. Oh, yes, he will. Oh, yes, he will. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah, I said hallelujah, God will take good care of you, I know you're at home, you're on your couch, sitting at your dining room table, some on your patio, and some on your deck, you ought to go ahead and rock your neighborhood right now, if you believe he will. You ought to go ahead and shout, yes, he will, yes, he will take good care of his children. Won't he do it? Yes, he will, yes, 
chapter 1 who showed us how to have faith under pressure uh, but I want to tell you today they could only have that faith under pressure because they had a relationship with the Lord and I want to tell you those pressures will come in each and every one of our lives but if you want to respond like these four boys in Daniel chapter 1 you need to have a relationship with the Lord. You need to know him for yourself as Lord and Savior. And you can know him because the Bible tells us God loved us enough that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us all. And Romans 10 reminds us if you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he died for the sins of the world, that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. And so if you're not saved today, you've not effect, uh, accepted the free gift of God through Jesus Christ. This is your opportunity to accept him today as Lord and Savior. Please reach out to us and let us know you made that decision at 402-455-1000, option three. Or if you're saved, but for whatever reason, you don't have a church home, you don't have a church family, this is your opportunity to become a part of the Lord's Church here at the Salem Baptist Church. Reach out to us at 402-455-1000, option three, and we will readily accept you into the family of God here at the Salem Baptist Church. Why don't you give your life to him even now? today that you have made a decision to give your life to the Lord and to become a part of the Lord's church. We thank you for sharing with us in this worship experience as we lead you from the sanctuary of the Salem Church and you join us in the virtual sanctuary of the Salem Church. We pray that this worship experience and the Word of God has been a blessing to you that it will strengthen you throughout the days, weeks, and months to come. Let's bow our heads again, Lord. We are thankful for your word. We thank you for speaking to us. We pray, God, 
that it has given us strength and direction even in moments like these. We pray, God, for every person that has shared with us in this worship experience. We pray that you would bless them and their households. Allow your blessings to flow upon them abundantly in manners that they would not be able to contain them. We pray, God, for pastors and churches all across the country, all across the world, that are open in your name. We pray, God, for those who serve in this time of need. We pray, God, that you would continue to give them strength and direction. For the Salem Church family and for churches all across the world, we pray, God, that you would continue to build us and allow us to be a beacon, a light of hope and help even in times like these. And now unto him who's able to keep us from falling and to present his fathers before his glory with exceeding great joy, to the only wise God be glory, dominion, and power, both now and forever. And the people of God all across this city, all across this county, across this state, across the country, and all across the world, said together, amen, amen, and amen. We yet believe the best season of your life is just ahead.